0: Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. None other than Dr. Jonathan Metzel, director of the Department of Medicine, Health and Society and professor of sociology and psychiatry at Vanderbilt University. Also author of Dying of Whiteness. All right. Remarkable book, remarkable human being. Top story of the day. Hell of a thing. Children being arrested in the city of Atlanta for selling water. All right. Put up the pictures full mass. 11 Alive News in Atlanta, Georgia, did a great job reporting on this matter. Those are some of the screenshots. Keep that picture up for just a minute. We've had to deal with this before in the city of Atlanta. A couple of years ago, a teenager was arrested for selling water. It was during the beginning of COVID. We told the then mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, this will not be tolerated in our communities. You will not arrest children for selling water. The city did not provide options for these children. These children were selling water because they were paying rent. Mom and dad had been laid off. At that time, the city was still turning people's water off and not paying their bills. So they were selling water in order to get water turned back on. Electricity was being turned off in various communities during this time. Myself, Derek Bozeman, and a few others in the city, we decided to sell water with them to show clearly, we will not allow you to arrest children for water selling in the city. Channel 11 has now uncovered that they are doing it again, arresting children for selling water. The sale, they sell water bottles at busy intersections. But what happens when law enforcement shows up? earlier this year 11alive obtained two body worn camera videos and various incident reports from the Atlanta police department via public records 11alive wanted to know more about the interactions youth and police have as part of its continuing coverage of kids and teens selling water in the city known as the water boys now i call them hydration technicians you're playing with my money right now atina's heard telling apd officers On the footage after being stopped for selling water at a busy intersection. Another quote I'm telling you to leave. I'm not asking you. Another APD officer yells at a younger child while trying to contact their guardian in a separate incident. Although not always the case, both videos show how tension between both groups can quickly escalate from harmless to handcuffs. Quote My response is it's a complete failure of the system, my dear brother and friend, civil rights attorney in Georgia NAACP President Gerald Griggs told 11 Alive News. During an interview, he also said tense interactions between the community and law enforcement can be damaging in the long run. Quote, there's another quote, leave me alone, let me go. That's a 19 year old detainee told officers while being placed into the back of a patrol car. You're effing up my life, one exclaims. The teen can be heard screaming later in the video. This particular young person, according to attorney Griggs, is telling the law enforcement, you ruined my life. And they actually are, because if he's charged with obstruction, felony obstruction, or any of the other offenses is going to go on his record. And then he won't be able to do other things. Griggs said while interviewing and reviewing the video, 11 alive, posed questions to APD, the Atlanta Police Department, to sit down for an interview this summer to discuss public safety concerns, community outreach, handling youth involved with water sales, and more. They declined, that's cowardly, they declined. So we asked the Metro Atlanta law enforcement agencies and other prospective agencies also, 11 Alive. Tried to get other cops, other chiefs to go on the record. None of the agencies they reached out to agreed to sit down for an interview about arresting children or selling water. In Atlanta, anyone selling food or beverages needs a permit. Let me say that again because I'm going somewhere with this point. In Atlanta, anyone selling food, or beverages needs a permit. Now, here's the reality. The part of Atlanta where children get arrested for selling water is in the black community. Okay? Buckhead is in Atlanta as well. You know, if you go to Buckhead, especially in the summer, you know what you'll see? You'll see white children selling lemonade at lemonade stands. They have no permit. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of an officer getting lemonade from one of those lemonade stands. There was no permit check, there was no arrest, there was no dismantling of the lemonade stand. The children in Atlanta who are being arrested. People will cite things like, well, they're rude sometimes. When was the last time being rude was against the law? Because if rudeness is an arrestable offense, arrest us all. The city has no options for these young people. You see, what we're looking at is an effect. Put up the picture again. This is the effect of a thing. This is not the cause. Arresting a child because a child is poor. And instead of selling something illegal, they're selling water, which means they're investing in purchasing the water, selling the water at $1 a bottle in order to pay bills typically at home. That's your effect. What's the cause? Economic disparity. That's your cause. That is your cause. If you have economic opportunities for young people, if you have a job training program for young people, if you have opportunity for them, you know what happens? Instead of them trying to make $30 a day, that they have to pay a percentage of that back based on their investment model, so they may actually take home 20 bucks a day in real money, okay? Don't you think if you offer them an opportunity to work a job to pay them, I don't know, perhaps $50 a day, maybe $75, possibly 100 And they could get training and mentorship in the process, they would do it. The mayor of Atlanta during his um, runoff was in a debate between him and Felicia Moore, who was the city council president at that time. I remember this debate because I was one of the moderators for CBS 46 News was a live televised debate, myself and Karen Greer. In that debate, I posed the question about the young hydration technicians. And what will the city do? It was at that time the mayor said under his tenure as mayor, if the people elected him, children will not be arrested for selling water. Dear brother, I'm not doing this to put you on the spot. I'm doing this to remind you of your words. Children are being arrested again for selling water. The city still has no viable options for them. We will work together. I made some calls last night because of the footage that I saw. We're going to work together to transform this narrative. Your brother, I would prefer you work with me than me have to work against you. All right.
1: Professor, how do you see this? Well, I really like your framing a lot, actually. I think that it's exactly right to see it as a systems issue, right? And um, that this is a symptom of a lack of abs- access, a lack, a lack of opportunity in a particular way. Um, and, and and I think you're right to if, if if you could use something like this to tie it to something better, you know, you're teaching people to be entrepreneurial, to not, as you say, sell drugs, but to sell something that people want that the market needs and use that to encourage entrepreneurialism and build around this, build around it to create jobs programs. To me, that's like taking something like this and turning it into an opportunity. I, I also say I see this in New York, for example, with immigrant communities who are selling, you know, mango slices and and fruit and things like that. Um, you know, it becomes a problem, I think, when people walk into traffic or they're too aggressive or something. But in general, they're highlighting a, a shortage in the market. And the whole idea is let's learn from this and build the market around it, not let's criminalize these people. There you go. Very well said. All right,
0: we are going to follow up, bring you updates as they come. Cops actually, or the cop runs away from a violent man and lets him flee. Here it is. Put up the picture for Mass. You mean to tell me, sir, Mr. Officer, you were not in fear of your life? Because, see, typically, when something like this happens, the person is shot if they happen to be black, for sure, okay? And all the officer has to say, I was in fear of my life, justified. I'm not advocating that this man should be dead. I am actually glad that preservation of life was honored here. My request is that we work to preserve the life of all. 47 year old William Williams, a Chula Vista man who allegedly threatened a person with a screwdriver on Thursday near Saratoga Park in Ocean Beach. This is in San Diego. All right, led police on a brief road chase. It ended in his arrest following multiple traffic crashes, including one involving a police cruiser. San Diego PD were responding to multiple 911 callers, reporting the threatening behavior shortly before 2.30 p.m. SDPD spokesman Darius Jamset G told ABC 7, San Diego, that minutes later, Williams allegedly aggressively confronted the first officer to arrive. He continued, additional officers were urgently requested. The officer initially attempted to subdue the subject using a stun gun, which proved ineffective. Sounds like superhuman strength to me. After maintaining a safe distance, the officer also Employed an expendable baton. Once again, no effect, superhuman abilities here, right? There's more. Uh, in the shocking video um, uploaded on Instagram by Connect San Diego, Williams, Williams can be heard repeatedly yelling at the officer, do it, then getting shot with the stun gun. Instead of being disabled, however, Williams sort of loudly fake laugh at the officer with his fist clenched and continues to approach him, again yelling, do it. At this point, Williams yells at the officer who is deploying his baton now, shouting, what sounds like fire your gun twice, all right? Now, I want to remind everybody, okay, the officer utilized his non-lethal or what is considered to be non-lethal devices against an individual that he knew he was well within his rights to simply shoot, okay? The mere fact that he decided to go through the protocol of non-lethal and then. The other non-lethal protocol was to what? He ran away. He ran away from. Him. He did not engage in physical combat. He did not choke him and, you know, execute the guy in front of everybody. It's a hell of a thing, right? There's more. When Williams starts walking away, the officer puts away his baton and follows Williams, walking almost calmly. Who gets into a late model Great Toyota Tacoma, drives away. The officer then runs back to his patrol car, gives chase. In the distance, sirens well as backup arrives. The suspect then allegedly fled to the east and north, leading a pursuit to a pursuit during which the, pick, uh, the pickup crashed into a parked car, after which Williams allegedly put his vehicle, vehicle into reverse. And what did he do? Intentionally rammed into a police cruiser. A short time later, the suspect ran over a tire flattening spike strip, putting an end to the chase. Nobody killed him. Still, even though officers released a service dog on him, the suspect allegedly remained combative until additional shocks from the stun gun finally subdued him. The spokesperson said Williams was then arrested, apprehended, life intact, taken to the hospital for a precautionary checkup due to the vehicle crashes. The electric shocks he sustained and dog bite he suffered prior to surrendering. No other injuries were reported. Williams was expected to be jailed on suspicion of various criminal charges, including evading police, brandishing a weapon, issuing criminal threats. Driving while intoxicated, illegal possession of a controlled substance, assault with a deadly weapon, resisting arrest and hit and run. A small dog that had been inside the suspect's truck during the chase was turned over unharmed to the custody of San Diego Humane Society. Williams, who is being held on a $168,850 bail, is due in court on Tuesday afternoon. Now, naturally, this is an out of control situation, right? Somewhat promoted by the police. What if the individual left and instead of just crashing into the car of somebody else, he crashes into a human being or creates a massive accident. On the streets and highways, he decided to go down because the officer chose not to subdue subdue him or shoot him, right? These are questions he will be able to be asked because he's alive. He will go through the process of due process as mandated by the US Constitution. Um, You, dear brother, have this remarkable ability, professor, to see societal norms, the abnormality of behavior. All of these things are within the context of your profession. Do you see what I see here? There was a concerted attempt to preserve his life because we know good and damn well, he could have laid this guy down.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I, I actually have two points to make about this, which do link to my, to my work. Uh, first of all, as it turns out, I have a book coming out in January about pretty much this exact point, right? The argument, I have a book coming out called What We've Become that talks about violence in America. And I basically say, what lessons do we learn by the policing of white Americans? Um, that's kind of this organizing question of the book. Now in the book, it's, it's very linked to what you just said. I talk about a mass shooter who wasn't a mass shooter yet. He was just a angry white guy with a gun and the cops kept letting him go, even though it was very clear that he was going someplace bad. They let him keep his guns. And so the question for me, that was hard that kind of led me to read the book is, do we agree with the more lenient approach of letting this guy go? letting him go, let him go on to commit this mass shooting. And I say very clearly in the book, if he was a young black man, this mass shooting never would have happened. And so what does that mean for policing in this country? Do we want more policing, less policing? And the answer I come to is we want equitable policing, right? We don't want to let mass shooters go, Um, but the rules have to always be transparent and, and the same for everyone. And so what I argue in the book is we can actually learn, about policing from tracking the policing of white Americans. And and so that's kind of the main point of the book. Mm. And then the, the second point is really linked to that, which is th- one note about this case is the guy didn't have a gun in his hand, at least. Um, and there's so many things about like what happens to assailants when they're armed or not armed. And so I, I looked through the story pretty quickly, but I guess the question is if this guy had a gun in his own hand, would the outcome have been the same?
0: Well said, I'm looking forward to uh, the book, dear brother. Really, really looking forward to that. Wrongfully convicted man, exonerated. After damn near 20 years behind bars, crime never committed it. Let's put it up for a mass. Marvin Haynes, 36 years of age, do the math. A Minnesota man. Went to prison as a teenager, he was 16, has been released almost two decades after after his wrongful murder conviction was vacated. Haynes has always maintained his innocence in the deadly 2004 robbery that took place in a flower shop and killed 55-year-old Randy Scherer according to the Associated Press. In May of that year, a man walked into the store and brandished a revolver at Sherer's sister, Cynthia McDermott, who was working there at the time and ordered her to hand over money and security footage, the outlet reported. McDermott has since passed away, but Sherer's family still maintains she identified the correct suspect. K A R E 11 reported. Shara came out from the back and said they had no money on them, and the intruder fired two shots as McDermott escaped, according to the outlet. She later picked a man from a lineup that did not include Haynes as the assailant. The man had an alibi, prompting police to look elsewhere. Police followed up on the tip that pointed toward the young teenage Haynes. And then showed McDermott a photo of Haynes from two years prior when he had shorter hair that resembled the shooters, according to the outlet. McDermott claimed Haynes was the shooter, even though he was shorter than the alleged robber. Put up, prosecutor here. Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty said that Haines' conviction was based almost exclusively on eyewitness accounts. And the trial lacked any forensic evidence and trial prosecutors also did not present any videos connecting him to the crime. And authorities never found a murder weapon at all, okay? Prosecutors said in a statement, quote, that should have made any prosecutor hesitant to bring charges because eyewitness identifications are often unreliable. And one of the leading causes of wrongful convictions. We inflicted harm on Mr. Haynes and his family, and also on Harry Sherrack, the victim, his family and the community. She said in a statement, and apologized for all the life experiences Haynes missed during his time in prison. We cannot undo the trauma experienced by those impacted by this prosecution. But today we have taken a step toward righting this wrong, the prosecutor said. Let's put up the family. You know, the the young man is smiling, okay? But he went through 20 years of extreme, unbelievable. Anxiety, anger, all of it. Haynes spoke outside of the prison after being released, thanking the current personnel in the DA's office, his lawyers, his family members. Quote, it took 19 years, but I'm here. I just want to move forward and get my life back. That's it. He gave a special recognition to his sister. Saying, and I quote, my sister lost so much fighting for my innocence. Words cannot describe what she means to me and my family. Um, There's a GoFundMe. We want to help her. You know, maybe the. Government does the right thing at some point, three, four years, maybe five years later. Okay. But we have a right now opportunity. There's a GoFundMe that's been set up. We are delighted to see Marvin finally regain his freedom for the truth of his innocence to win out. Exonerated after 19 years, support Marvin Haynes. I want you to make a contribution, do the very best you can. Christmas is coming up. I want them to have a great Christmas
1: right? Professor, thoughts? I love that you just did that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, how can you take 19 years? I mean, just think how formative that is for people, for their families, for everything. So I love that you ended that story with, uh, with support. Honestly, I think that's what needs to happen. Um, and I, I support for people who are in these horrible situations, but also I, I wish there were more resources for things like the Innocence Project, um that make sure i mean some people are in prison because they committed a crime, and some people are there because it's it's an easy prosecution or because of the system and so I wish we had more resources also for for the um you know just to be able give people support who 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 are in prison uh, for the for the wrong reason
0: yeah uh and i I want to echo something. Uh, The police, they broke their own protocol by showing a photo two years earlier. So what does that mean? That means they showed a photo of a 14-year-old child in order to convict a 16-year-old child for a crime that the child never committed, which means also whoever killed this person got away with it. Victims received no justice. As a matter of fact, it simply created another injustice. And by proximity, another injustice because the family has to endure this. And it goes on and on. It's an ecosystem. We're glad that exoneration happened in this case 19 years later. Do the very best you can with the GoFundMe, all right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
2: You just squirted a I can't kid out of your doesn't mean you're worthy of being a mother.
3: Oh, there's the other savage stalking me. Stalking me again. You are so out of control. Grow up. I hear her I hear you got a nephew, he had a baby
2: again.
0: Okay, all right. They say she is a former prosecutor, okay? Um, so let's put it up full a mass hell of a story here. City leaders in Midville, Utah are condemning this local Karen. Following the posting of a now viral video breaking down examples of months long verbal and physical attacks she has inflicted upon members of the community. Because the husband and child are black, according to the report. The Karen has been identified as Catherine Smith. Um, let's put up Tizzy Yent. all right? This is where we saw the footage first, okay? Um, the popular anti-racism TikToker, Tizzy Yent shared on Monday the video outlining the numerous instances of Smith terrorizing the family, right?
4: So why is this happening? Tizzy explains, here it is. For some backstory, this couple who is interracial, they and their son are living in this neighborhood. They're very happy there and one day back in May, A neighbor of theirs who's a single mother approached them and said, hey, could you possibly help me put up my security system? I got these cameras, I just need help with it because I don't know how to do it. Husband said, sure, no problem, happy to help you. She wanted them put up because allegedly she was having problems with a neighbor, Kathy, and while he was there putting them up, Kathy came over and looked at him and allegedly said, you chose the wrong side. He didn't choose a side, he was just helping out a neighbor. But then she turned to the single mother, And allegedly said, "Oh, I see you need to hire N-words to do your work for you. And that was the beginning of an absolute nightmare that has been going on for seven months now. Wow, there's more.
0: The community and elected officials, all right? The community and elected officials have expressed their outrage over the disturbing content. He highlights uh, in the six minute, 34 second clip. Questioning. Why it has taken authority so long to arrest her. Over 100 videos documented by the mother of the targeted family using her cell phone and also home security camera system. Depicts Ms. Smith repeatedly hurling vicinity at the family's residence. The woman is captured walking up to their property, fiddling with their vehicle, and sometimes in the middle of the night, driving her car to their home and parking in front of it. Multiple videos show Smith specifically targeting the couple's nine-year-old son, whom Tizzy says lives in fear. According to the vlogger, the elementary student looks outside to ensure the woman is not outside when he wants to play in his family's yard. Here's more.
4: Allegedly, she's also chased him on several occasions, at least one of those. She told them, I have Savannah cats from Africa. That's them right there. I'm going to feed you to my Savannah cats. My cats are going to eat you.
0: Wow, there's actually more. Um, another clip, all right, shared uh, in the video. Filmed in June 2023, shows the mother asking her to leave her child alone. Smith refuses and instantly escalates into name calling and spewing vulgarities at the pregnant mom. The angry woman acknowledges her neighbor is with child, even saying the baby in her stomach has nappy hair before poking the mother in the stomach. Here it is. Do not say
2: Get
3: Please off? call the cops, I- do Copy. not talk to the kids. You keep your Touch. illegal dog Put your on a Do leash. not talk to my kids, do you I understand? No talk- I don't even know if you have oh. more than one kid, really. But you wanna know something? Huh? I don't talk to your kids, so get the out of my face. Do not say to the kids, do not- Mama bear, oh, Mama bear, I'm so afraid of you, I'm so afraid of you, mama bear. Ready? Yeah, just cuz you're- just because you touch p- me, you just w- squirted a touch kid out of your doesn't mean you're worthy of being me. a mother. Touch me, talk me. The kids can be outside and there's no reason that you talk to them. They're down by your house, they're, they're not by your house. There's not not no reason, do not you? walk, do not walk, what are you gonna do? Do not walk towards the kids, do not talk to them. It's a free country a it's free country. Dead. out is of my a free face, country? yes it is. What are you gonna Fucking, poor, get the I baby
2: out of there.
0: Yeah, here we go. There's more. There's, uh, there is no video of the assault, but it is said that Smith was charged with assault. And a warrant was issued for her as per police records, Smith is charged with assault for allegedly forcibly poking and pushing with both hands the victim's stomach it was also noted multiple warrants had been issued for smith for various offenses including speeding failing to register an expired vehicle property damage and assault one offense she was charged with happened in july smith was charged with property damage allegedly ripping up the family's garden garden at their home at the time of this writing It is unknown if any of the warrants have actually been executed. The TikTok influencer claims the Unified Police Department, who has been called at least twice, informed the family that the reason for not detaining her was her First Amendment right to free speech. He also asserts that despite this, her hate speech constitutes a crime when he believes uh, and he believes she should be arrested. The family has secured, however, an attorney to help them navigate the pursuit of justice, all right? Uh, this is a response from local and state leaders. So the city the city itself released a statement after seeing the TikTok video sent to them by McCorda's office and multiple constituents. After condemning her behavior, calling it disgusting, The city distanced itself from Smith, perhaps because McHorder said she is a former prosecutor. Quote, Catherine Smith, the person in the video, has never worked for Midvale City. We would never tolerate this behavior by an employee, the statement said. Um, Let's put up these two gentlemen for a man. So the city's mayor is Marcus Stevenson. He's on the left. Released a statement on the social saying, quote, it's hard to describe. How disgusted I feel learning that one of our Midville families is living in a situation where they are dealing with regular racist tirades and feeling their safety is at risk. As stating he's working with city management and the police department to bring justice to the family. City councilman Bryant Brown on the right said, according to Fox 13, quote, I'm mortified for the family. I'm embarrassed it is happening. There are no excuses. I will get to the bottom of it. Even the state Democratic representative Andrew Stoddard tweeted his denouncement, declaring he too is working with officials to resolve the situation. Um, Very thankful there's a unified front here. Uh, Everybody is saying the exact same thing. We will bring you an update when the update comes. Um, Big ups to Tizzyn for doing a great job reporting this story initially. Professor, thoughts here?
1: I mean, uh, usually when we do, you know, the Karen segments here, it's it's kind of a snippet, some decontextualized thing. You don't know the story around it. And this is clearly not that this is a sustained pattern of horrible behavior um, and and criminal behavior. And I think when it's criminal behavior, it should be prosecuted criminally. And so what she's doing is, is pretty clearly harassment. And I agree with you. It's good. It's good to see the system. Around it. But I mean, if it is true, she was a prosecutor. It's also, you know, a little terrifying that somebody with these kind of attitudes was responsible for making decisions about, um, you know, incarceration and, and things like that. So it's, it's right. there's a lot, a lot to this story. And, and I'm glad you're going to follow it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Donald Trump is selling pieces of his suit. That he wore in the mug shot he took while being arrested inside of Fulton County Jail. Hell of a thing. Um, here's a video.
5: My last two Trump digital trading card collections sold out in just hours. And now I'm back with my latest series called the Mug Shot Edition. I wonder where that came from, the mugshot Edition. 47 all new stunning cards and here is the best part. I'm doing two important things for my Trump collectors. For the first time, we're creating a real physical Trump card. Purchase 47 digital cards and we'll mail you a beautiful trading card. It is an authentic piece of the suit I wore when I took that now famous mugshot, and it was a great suit, believe me, a really good suit. It's all cut up and you're gonna get a piece of it. I'll be autographing some of them. A true collector's item. This is something to give to your family, to your kids and grandchildren. With the purchase of 47 of the Trump digital trading cards, you will also be invited to join me for a gala dinner at my beautiful Mar-a-Lago. My home in Florida, you've perhaps heard of it. It's become a pretty famous place. We just had our first dinner for my collectors, and we had a lot of fun together. That was a great evening. That was a fantastic evening. Some people call these cards pop art or modern art. I wish I looked as good as I do on those cards. That I can tell you. They give me muscles where, believe me, I don't have them. I wanted to keep my Trump Digital trading cards at the same price, $99 each. So go to collecttrumpcards.com. It's really easy to buy.
0: I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my grandchildren. Um, yeah, he's the front runner to be president of the United States. We already gave him the opportunity to be president. He messed it up and we are almost about to give it to him again. Uh, let's put up the infamous mug shot. So according to Trump, if you simply purchase 47 fake cards, they will actually mail you one, they're called digital cards, okay? So if if you buy 47 digital cards, these are fake, they will give you a real one. It sounds about right, okay? Given the man who sounds like a damn QVC commercial. This is insane, this is insane. So Trump cashed in by putting his infamous mugshot on T-shirts. We saw that, okay? Then he put his mugshot on bumper stickers, trading cards, posters, beverage coolers. And now they literally cut his suit up into pieces to mail to people. I mean, this is, this is some weird, perverted, you know, televangelist, I'm gonna send you a prep cloth. But it's Donald Trump stuff. This is insane, right? Um, I'm going to say this to the sheriff. Sheriff of Florida County, Patrick Labatt, you're the guy who put Trump in jail. You actually said, if he has a warrant, we're gonna lock his ass up. You didn't say ass, I put that in there. But you said you would do it, and you did. Okay, you did. Now, here's another thing you can do. Put up the mugshot again. I'm not sure if your attorneys have told you this, Sheriff Labot. But you see, because you are a constitutional authority, that mugshot is property of the sheriff's office. It can only be used under what's called the fair use doctrine. Like, for example, news commentary. It cannot be commercially utilized because you have trademark rights. To that photo. And by proximity, really, it's the taxpayers' photo. The taxpayers' photo. And because of that, you could make a claim of trademark infringement. Why? Because Donald Trump is utilizing the mugshot for commercial gain. I highly encourage your attorneys to get on top of that. The good taxpayers of Fortune County, well, they deserve all their money.
1: All right. Doc, bounce here. You know, so much of me wants to make a joke, right? That I'm standing in front of my freezer and it's full of Trump steaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I I got in trouble once before with this. It was 2016, early 2016. I was on NBC um, on a panel and Trump was doing exactly stuff like this. And this was before he was elected and the host turned to me and said like, what is this? And I'm like, Oh, it's just a farce. that makes a mockery of our system. Exactly. Um, and, and, um, and I didn't see how it was effective. Actually, it was like beyond my comprehension at that moment to see like, actually people respond to this stuff. Right. He seems like he's selling a piece of himself. Um, he's, he's, um, you know, he actually sounds like not like a politician because he sounds like, you know, Chuck Norris selling his nunchucks on, on you know, Home Shopping Network or something. And so what I didn't realize was that actually this kind of messaging works for for a lot yeah. of people. And I really wish I could go back and tell people, OK, look, this is hilarious. It's absurd. But also, please go vote for somebody else other than this person, because like you have a choice, you're going to have a choice coming up. So I'm trying to rectify that. Yeah. I agree with you, man. I mean, the guy's
0: like, and there's more, yeah. right? And it's working for his base, they're eating this stuff up. I'm thinking about purchasing 47 fake cars myself, just to get that damn Mar-a-Lago invite. I would yeah. be the talk of the town, I promise you. Let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. <laughs> okay, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay.
2: All right, welcome back, a
0: lot of show left, comments galore. Let's read a few of them, <laughs> right, Wolf Dragon Donna. Oh My God, please tell him the afford the county sheriff's office will sue him. That would be both hilarious and appropriate. It would be so, to my understanding. Okay, I cannot verify this independently, but he was able to get about seven to possibly 10 million on those shirts and mugs. And bumper stickers. All right, that belongs to the good taxpayers of Fulton County. Okay, um, Brett Campbell, aka Dragging My Ass, I might put a piece of his. <laughs> I might put a piece of his suit to use as an extremely gratifying sheet of toilet paper. <laughs> That's great. Here's the thing, man. Knowing these cats, is more like a thread. They're not going to send you a, you know, it won't be enough there. Okay, Ford Country, Creepy Kathy Karen, spelled that way just so you could get the KKK in the name. I appreciate that, Ford. I saw what you did there. Uh, James Thompson, uh, Give to Five Indisputable Memberships. Thank you so much for that, James. Uh, Bernard the Kiwi Dragon, member for 18 months. Thank you. Uh, Trump's literally selling the shirt, shirt off, on his back. He must be really desperate, desperate for cash. Yeah, he is. Ohio cops are searching for uh, men who decided to be racist and to be threatening against those on a college campus, black women in particular. All right, let's put it up a mass. I'm going to give you the background. According to news, a news release from the Ohio University Police Department, black female students were reportedly called. Racial slurs, they were threatened by a group of men on campus this past weekend. So we have these stills to show three of the four male suspects. The incident happened near East Union Street and University Terrace just after 1.40 a.m. on a Sunday, December 10th. The three women came across two groups of men who they heard arguing and using the N-word. This prompted one of the women to call them out for using the derogatory term while one group decided to leave the area. The other allegedly started to follow the women and yelled racial epithets uh, at them. The group uh, consisted of three white males and one who apparently was either black or biracial according to the report before fleeing the scene. Two of the men threatened the women with guns, with laser sights on them, the news release said. Campus police attempted to track them down but could not find them. And the incident is under investigation. It's unclear if they are students at the school. Campus police are seeking more information about the men involved. Um, Students at the predominantly white institution located in Athens, about 74 miles from Columbus, expressed their disappointment and shock that an incident of that nature even occurred in the first place. Quote, stuff like that doesn't happen here very often. One student, Bryce, told WCMH-TV. Interim Vice President for University and Inclusion, Russell Morrow on the left. And Dean of Students, Kathy Fall on the right, released a statement condemning the actions, and it reads, We can be immediately and unequivocally clear on this. The bigotry and threats of violence displayed by the perpetrators in this incident are abhorrent and unacceptable. Certainly, we take threats of physical harm against any student seriously. And we work every day to ensure the safety of our campus community. We are thankful that no physical harm resulted from this incident. Our university's president is Dr. Lori Stewart Gonzalez. Um, She's a fine president. She does a great job. At Ohio University, uh, good leadership team there. All right, so um, obviously this is um, a narrative that the university doesn't want to have, okay? An investigation should be one, thorough, two, transparent, and three, aggressive. Uh, these are college students, right? We don't know if the perpetrators were actually college, college students too. It could be, they could be, uh, but you have to make Significant example out of moments like this, it makes everyone uncomfortable. It creates an atmosphere adverse to learning. You know, if people are anxious, if they are afraid, right, they can't learn, can't learn in that environment. If you're upset and offended and depressed because of the emotional dynamics connected to something like this, that's not a learning environment. You cease to be a learning environment when things like this can permeate on your campus unchecked. That's not what's happening. At Ohio University now, it could happen if it goes unchecked. But it definitely has happened at some other colleges we've covered here. We wanna make sure that this is followed up and reported on while it develops, all right? Professor, uh, you're a professor, I'm a professor. We know learning environments are important to the learning experience.
1: I mean, it's a terrifying time on college campuses right now. You know, when I see a story like this, I actually think about the Michigan State mass shooting that happened earlier, um because somebody without who wasn't affiliated with the with the college came on campus with a gun and and started firing. And so, you know, I mean, the beauty of college campuses is they feel like safety bubbles a lot of times. you know, they're separate yeah. from society. and and I just worry with stuff like this that, um, you know, so I, I think I just think it's very important if these guys were or were not students. But the flip side, of course, is, the NRA's had its way with a lot of college campuses. So now you can have campus carry. So there are guns on campus also. And so, you know, even without all the stuff that's been happening over the last couple of months about college campuses, it's just a very volatile time. And, and I think, you know, it's just important for us all to think about, obviously, the content of this, which is so important, but also what are the decisions we're going to make about the physical space of campuses, um, considering that there are, you know, people on the outside with guns, people on the inside with guns. And I, I don't know, it's just, it, I, I fear that uh, that a campus will not look like a campus 10 years from now because of yeah. things like this.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. All right, we will follow up on the story. A black woman has a miscarriage. A miscarriage. She gets charged with a felony. There's no dispute. It's a miscarriage. Put up the picture full mass. According to WKBN, the felony case against 33-year-old Brittany Watts of Warren, Ohio, will in fact go before a Trumbull County grand jury. After investigators discovered a baby stuck in a toilet at her home. This is how they're characterizing it, a baby in a toilet at her home, September 22nd. This was after she suffered a miscarriage and delivered Stillborn, all right, stillborn, that means no viability of life. Watts is now out on a $5,000 bond and entered a not guilty plea. If convicted, she faces two years in prison. So prosecutors have charged Watts with felony corpse abuse. That's what they charged her with, accusing her of attempting to plunge the toilet after her miscarriage delivery of 22 weeks, according to Warren Police Detective Nick Carney, quote, she said she felt the baby come out and there was a big splash. So yeah, it's called a miscarriage. All right. So very emotional and very traumatic thing for most women. Uh, so Dr. George Stebernes, or St- uh, sternbeans, excuse me, a forensic pathologist, testified that an examination revealed no injury to the fetus. And said Watt's fetus died before going through the birth canal. He noted that Watt's medical records show she visited the hospital twice before the birth, giving significant context that she did not try to do anything harmful to the fetus. She was responsible in her visits, there was no injury. To the body itself, it was stillborn. It was already non-viable as it relates to life. So the doctor said before the court, this fetus was going to be non-viable. It was going to be non-viable because she had premature ruptured membranes, her water had broken early, and the fetus was too young to be delivered. It's called a miscarriage. Tracy. Tim watch defense attorney, said, quote, this 33-year-old girl with no criminal record is demonized for something that goes on every day. However, put him up. Warren Assistant Prosecutor Louis Guarneri contended that at issue wasn't, quote, how the child died or when. But that the fetus was left in a toilet and was large enough to clog it, and she went on her day. Okay? They want to paint this picture. Now, here's the judge. The judge has the authority to do the right thing here. He could dismiss this on frivolous grounds. Okay? Where's the act of abuse? This is an unfortunate situation. Yes, the mother is obviously emotionally distraught. So the judge. Terry Invonchek of Warren Municipal found probable cause to bind the case over. That means kick it to the higher court. WKBN reported saying in court, quote, there are better legal scholars than I am, end quote. That's what he told those who were assembled. Then he says, to determine the exact legal status of this fetus, corpse, body, birthing tissue, whatever it is. End quote. She's in trouble. These are the individuals in charge of this case, okay? The judge is admitting, "Um, I don't really know the law here, so I'm going to bind it over. That's typically not why you bind things over as a judge. You bind things over because of what? Evidence. You have enough evidence to bind it over to the higher court. No, 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 it's not about evidence. It's about the fact him don't know. This is insane. This woman has had her life completely turned upside down, already experiencing a traumatic situation. To have the prosecutor decide, Oh no, 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 we're going to now ruin your life. Inside of our criminal justice system. Um, doctor, when I saw this initially, um, I, I said, you know, as soon as this gets to a judge, right? Because this is a zealous, overzealous prosecutor. But as soon as it gets to a judge, a judge is going to see this for what it is and say, listen, dismiss. All right, the woman had a miscarriage. Uh, and the expert testimony is congruent. To what she said happened. Absolutely no adverse issue when it comes to the narrative. So the prosecutor decides, okay, we're going to get you on the corpse now. Insane. What are your
1: thoughts, sir? Vote. Everybody vote. Yeah. Because um, because judges really matter. Um, I mean, I I completely agree. I, as part of my medical training, right, I did six months of OBGYN. This does happen all the time. People have miscarriages and, and, and it's a tragedy. It's like a horrible, horrible tragedy. And people then dispose of the miscarriage in, in ways that are the most, you know, salient at the time. It's, right. it's, you would, be, you would be locking up an awful lot of people. I mean, an awful lot of people. Um, but I will also say that think of the terror around the question of, birthing practices, abortion, contraception, everything right now. I mean, we've got in Texas, somebody like almost legally being forced to carry a non-viable pregnancy uh, to birth. We've got today, as we film this, the Supreme Court's going to hear a case about Miffy-Pristone and what it creates, all those things is not just injustice. It also creates a lot of terror in the system. Excuse me, a lot of terror in the system um, that people don't want to Like doctors don't know what they do to stay out of jail right now. So everybody's terrified in this system because of this issue. And and it all goes to judges and judges are appointed, believe it or not, by the people you elect. And so um, for people who are thinking about sitting out this election or not voting, I'm hearing this a lot. I mean, this is why this election matters is because we've got versions of this kind of attitude of this judge or this court all across the country right now. And you know we need to reverse that. It's it's really urgent.
0: Yep. You know if you don't vote, America may elect a dictator. Uh, if you do vote, America may elect the guy that you would prefer to not see as president, being Biden. But regardless, okay, your vote is going to count one way or the other. We got more on the other side. It's
2: indisputable. Stick and stay.
0: Damn near every car in America has to be recalled. Uh, Put it a full mask. This is a hell of a story. Tesla is recalling nearly all 2 million of its cars on US roads. To limit the use of its autopilot features following a two-year probe by US safety regulators of roughly 1,000 crashes in which the feature was engaged. The limitations on autopilot serve as a bloke to, uh, to Tesla's efforts to market its vehicles to, to buyers willing to pay extra to have their cars do the driving for them. The National Highway Safety, uh, Traffic Safety Administration said the autopilot system can give drivers a false sense of security and be easily misused in certain dangerous situations when a Tesla's technology uh, may, uh, may be unable to safely navigate the road. The over-the-air software update will give Tesla drivers more warnings when they are not paying attention to the road while the autopilot's auto steer function is turned on. Those notifications will remind drivers to keep their hands on the wheel and pay attention to the road, according to a statement from NHTSA. I mean, well, damn, go, you go ahead and drive then. If you have to keep your hand on the steering wheel and look at the road, you might as well hit the gas pedal um, and just ride out. There's more. After the recall, Tesla's with auto steer turned on. Will more routinely check on the driver's attention level and may disengage the feature when the software determines the driver is not paying attention, when the car is approaching traffic controls or when it's off the highway, when auto steer alone isn't sufficient to drive the car. The recall was disclosed in a letter to Tesla posted by NHTSA, which said that the car company had agreed to the software update starting on Tuesday. That will limit the use of the auto steer feature if a driver repeatedly fails to demonstrate he or she is ready to resume control of the car while the feature is on. Tesla has been pushing its driver assisted features, including autopilot and what it calls full self driving, uh, which Tesla has insisted uh, makes driving safer and cars operated exclusively by humans. But NHTSA has been studying reports of accidents involving autopilot and his auto steer function function, for more than two years. The recall comes two days after a detailed investigation was published by the Washington Post that found at least eight serious accidents, serious accidents, including some fatalities in which the autopilot feature should have not been engaged in the first place. Tesla's owner's manual says, quote, Auto steer is intended for use only on highways and limited access roads with a fully attentive driver. But the company has pushed the idea that its driver assist features allow the cars to safely make most driving decisions even away from those roads. The NHTSA investigation, however, has found numerous accidents over the past several years that suggest that these features do not live up to their names of autopilot and full self-driving. The safety regulator in his letter to Tesla said, quote, in certain circumstances when auto steer is engaged, the prominence and scope of the features control or controls may not be sufficient to prevent driver misuse of the feature. It said that when drivers are not fully engaged and ready to take control of the car, There may be an increased risk of a crash. All right, so what do we have? Uh, We have people who are dead. We have people who are severely injured. And we also have this massive recall. Well, let's make the bad technology better. And I'm going to say this to you. I actually drove a self-driving car one time. Um, It was a test drive, right? So you go on the highway. You can engage the system, it's simple. When I tell you it was the most uncomfortable thing, I probably was able to do this for maybe 20 seconds. Before I decided to say, hail to the null And resumed my control of the car, maybe I have control issues. And I took my happy ass back to the dealership and said, there's no way I would ever do this. All right, uh, dear brother, have you ever driven one of these um,
1: alleged self-driving cars before? Um, i I think your experience is enough for me I'm gonna <laughs> leave it in your hands um I mean you know think of the faith we are we're putting in who, who's the guy who owns that company again and um, <laughs> you know and and what's his track record and so yeah. again you know how powerful do you want that guy to be right now and and right. so it's really I mean I, I'm glad there are regulators honestly um the question is with more power will there come less regulation for, for companies like this. Um, and so, you know, I guess maybe it shows that the system is working in a way, but the other scary part about stuff like this is it's not just the dude in the car who's at risk. It's like the pedestrian or whoever else. And so, you know, this could get, this could get really bad. So I'm I'm curious to see where this goes legally and I don't know, does recalling protect them from stuff or, or, um, you know, so I, I don't know.
4: But- yeah,
0: it, it definitely creates um, less liability uh, when there's adverse dynamics that happen based on the manufacturer.
2: Bonnie Willis, DA,
0: for the county prosecuting Trump, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We may move the trial date sooner, put it up for mass. Um, Bonnie Willis, The Georgia prosecutor elected district attorney leading the charge in Donald Trump's election interference case is, quote, ready and willing to move up his trial date, she said in a new interview on Tuesday, quote, I always say, stay ready. You ain't gotta get ready. Listen, I love a prosecutor who could just talk plain like that. Willis told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Willis then acknowledged the fluidity of court proceedings that could turn on a dime. As special counsel Jack Smith proved Monday, with a top of the fold filing demanding the Supreme Court consider Trump's presidential immunity claims. Smith hopes to fast track his federal election fraud case to ensure Trump stands trial before the 2024 election, which if Trump claims victory, could reinstate the immunity he says protected past actions. But the move could prove risky because if the court rules Trump's post 2020 election acts are protected as presidential acts, his case, Willis's case, could be doomed. Now, I disagree with that, but I understand their point. It's definitely weakened. I disagree with AJC that it's doomed, but it definitely would be significantly weakened. All right. Um, Willis did not directly address Smith's new tactic in the interview, but his name did come up when asked about the Republican senators who accused her of colluding with the House January 6th investigators and demanded to see her communications with the special counsel's office. It's just politics, Willis reportedly said. They worry the hero is treated the same as everybody else. And now they want to come up with foolishness, end quote. Once again, straight talk. While Willis has suggested a court date of August 5th, 2024, just a few weeks after the Republican Party selects its nominee, Willis says she'll be prepared whenever she must take on in person the former president she accuses of corruptly attempting to overturn the presidential election in her state. Quote, I don't think anyone should ever be surprised if D.A. Willis enters a courtroom. Willis told the local news outlet, Willis reportedly added that she is a trial lawyer at my soul. There it is. All right, uh, hell of a thing. Now, Professor, you and I talked about this off, offline a little bit. You know the, the strategy, I understand. I definitely understand the strategy. Is it risky? Hell, yes, risky. Does it completely doom the case? It doesn't, but yeah, it makes it more difficult to prosecute successfully. Having D. A. Willis do an interview, because I always look at the, the code, right? Do an interview to say, "Yeah, we could move the trial up." I believe that simply means we are going to move the trial up. That's where I see. It. Your thoughts?
1: I hope that's the case. I hope they move the trial up. I mean, you know, it's it's the fact that she's doing an interview. I know it's not traditional, but this is yeah. not a normal time, so that's right. I, I think really. You know, it's kind of all hands on deck and I, I'm glad she's taking it seriously that way. It's really um, night and day from, you know, some of these Trump judges in Florida who are like, oh, we'll get to this, you know, you know, 25 years from now or something like that. And so in a way, her hand is forced by the slow walk of, of some of the other cases. So that's right. Um,
0: it, it would be poetic justice if the city of Dr. King. Uh, Happened to be the city that successfully prosecuted the tyrant known as Donald Trump. All right, got a question for you. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun,
4: shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie.
2: Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads.
5: I never hate, I hate math. Somebody say amen.
3: What do I have in my mouth powder? So I'm going to make a paste so that I can rub the paste into my gums a few times a day. So I have dirt. Where's the dirt from? Well, I do have the privilege of living near gorgeous mountains. So I just get this from from the woods. Cow dung. It's super green cow dung. I harvested this cow dung from the cows that graze in the mountains here. So this has just been dehydrated and then ground in a Vitamix into a powder. I'm gonna grind up all the dirt, put in a tablespoon of the cow dung powder. So I'm also gonna use some electrolyte minerals. So I'm gonna put some of this in. I'm gonna put some of my personal medicine. This looks like whiskey. It's actually aged urine. This urine's been aged for maybe two years. This is Calmeg. Calmeg is the king of the bitters. It's also known as andrographis. And it's crazy, crazy, crazy bitter. Bitter stuff kills. Uh, kill stuff. So in this case, I want to kill the dysbiotic microbes. Okay, I'm also going to put a little bit of baking soda in here because baking soda has an amazing ability to oxidize free radicals. So it's like another antioxidant. And this is Indian healing clay, high calcium, natural bentonite, argyle, verte. So it's green clay. First, I'm going to grind. I'm not going to chew on this and wear my teeth
2: down. I'm going to rub it into my gums and I'm going to swallow some of it.
0: Ma'am, I know your breath stank. I know it's horrible. (laughs) Put up the picture for a mask. This is so sad. Ma'am, why couldn't you just keep your hobbies to yourself? You eat aged urine, not even the fresh stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And super green cow dung. I mean, did you just bypass the regular cow dung and just graduate directly to the super green doc? I'm, you're actually a doctor. Would you encourage anyone to um, ingest age
1: urine and super green cow dung? Well, we prescribe this stuff all the time, honestly. Um, no, this is crazy.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's just, it's sad what's happened. Like, I mean, I'm sure there was never like central expertise, but like, (laughs) go to a doctor or something like that. Now, I will say my, my spouse watches a lot of Instagram influencers. And so there's people on Instagram all the time and TikTok who are saying the craziest stuff that are, that are like really earnest like this and believable and saying things like, you know, you don't need pasteurized milk or like, you know, your own pee is a, antiseptic or, you know, throwing out the word antioxidant or something. So in a way, this, this is hilarious, first of all, but it's also like in the same form of stuff that people really do believe on, on things like TikTok. And so it's, it's, for me, it's like kind of how, how absurd has this format become? Um, And I'd love to know how many people at home were like doing blow by blow of that recipe. And then it's like, Hey, you know, it worked for me or something like that. So it's wow. Yeah, but that was me keeping a straight face, trying to give you a real answer. <laughs> you,
0: you did, you did a great job, fine job, doctor. Um, brother, always a pleasure having you
1: on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Thanks so much. I'm at Um, It was an honor to be here today. I got through it with my the end of my post-COVID, not COVID illness. Hopefully, everybody's staying safe out there. Um and I have a new book coming out um, uh, in January about um, kind of what happens to the soul of a nation when we normalize mass shootings. Um, and that you can find that on, on the website also. So hopefully we can talk about that a little bit in the future.
0: Oh, absolutely, dear brother. Absolutely. Happy holidays to you and the family. Happy New Year if I don't see you before the end. And we'll talk very soon. Take care, my best. You too. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.